shining a beacon on the bazaar. Right, our kid, I think you best uh, chuck some more logs on fire. Oh, right, will do, mate. How, how come? Oh, the beast from the east is coming, pal. Oh, I saw that in paper, yeah. It looks a bit chilly, doesn't it? A bit of a, bit of a, bit of a cold wind. No, I mean the real beast from the east, that one outside his window. What? You know, that huge, massive fucking monster that's 87 foot tall. <laughs> oh, my God! Quick, quick. <laughs> grab grab a branch. <laughs> grab a flaming branch. Let's get upstairs, let's get upstairs. Towards the mainland, it's thank oh, God it has. It could have picked its teeth through that lighthouse. <laughs> no, look at it. Oh, he's stamping all over that Bridlington, isn't it? Look. <laughs> oh, no, no, he's throwing cows about. Jesus oh. Christ, he's angry. Whew. Oh, well, anyway, at least we're safe. <laughs> yeah, let's get back down and get a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. We'll get a cup of tea. Oh, God. <laughs> because this is Kraken Cove. It's oh, a podcast yeah. that shines the beacon onto the bazaar. I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And we're going to tell you some great stories coming right up. Oh, cast away, Arky. So, if we're all settled down nice and comfy, I'll begin. Please <laughs> do. You... Pray tell, our kid. Pray tell. <laughs> well, first cab off the rank here is one of your favourite subjects here, right? And it's uh, it's about your mate and mine, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Old smelly Musk. <laughs> the smelly Musk. <laughs> so... You know he's always up to sort of somewhat bit barking, isn't he? It's not <laughs> yeah. like he, you know, he, he doesn't sort of play this sort of straight line, does he? He's not sort no, of like, he's just know, the crazed bomb villain kind of approach to things, are they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as a result, um, things he, he's taking. I think he's even now he's, he's stepped it up a bit here. So the headline here is: Elon Musk says he's totally happy with the monkey with a brain chip, so it can play video games using its mind. Oh, duh. Is that allowed? That ain't allowed, is it? I don't know. And I don't think he cares. Yeah, that's one thing about him. He does what he wants, doesn't he? He He crashes rockets about and stuff. This is it. He just seems to have license to do anything and everything that he wants. I mean, if if me and you, right, if me and you fight a car into space, we get a right knacking, won't we? Exactly, yeah. He does it. Yeah, yeah, he does it, and everyone thinks he's a fucking wizard, right? He just appeared, though, didn't he? Where did he come from? He just suddenly, a few years ago, he just appeared. I don't like him. 
Well, he, he, he meant his money to start with because he invented PayPal. Ah, oh, is that what he's from? Well, he, well, I say he invented. What happened? Elon Musk hasn't actually invented anything. All yeah. he does is hires people to invent things for him. So he, basically what he does, he turns around and says, he buys companies and says, you company, will you buy, make this for me? That's amazing, you know? Uh. <laughs> yeah. And that's all That's all he's done. All, all through his life, Elon Musk has just gone around, acquired businesses and made them do things and make millions and millions and millions and then move on to the next thing and buy and hire talent and say, do yeah. this. That's all he ever does. He just cracks the whip and supplies the money. So yeah. because he's a... Uh, from he's South Africa, wouldn't he? I think his his mum was some, some sort of model in South Africa and things like this. Very weird. Ooh, but this story, yeah, yeah, let's get on some bloody chimps. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, Elon Musk has revealed that his Neuralink startup has implanted a wireless chip into a monkey's brain in order to allow it to play video games. <laughs> What, Grand Theft Auto and stuff? Give <laughs> 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 a monkey driving around and ripping and stuff. <laughs> exactly, this sounds terrifying. <laughs> so the technology billionaire, who also had SpaceX and Tesla, said the monkey looks totally happy and that Neuralink's facilities meet US regulatory requirements. So speaking during a Q&A session on the Clubhouse app, which I've never heard of that, I've not heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Musk said the startup had moved beyond experiments on pigs and onto monkeys. Well, exactly, he's bored with pigs. And he's just like, right, they're done. They can't play games right well. Get me a monkey. I mean, this is what it seems to me. I mean, so basically he's got pigs somewhere with these chips in their brains already, right? Jesus. So this is what Musk said. He said... We've already got like a, like a monkey with a wireless implant in their skull, and and the tiny wires, who, who can play video games using their minds, and they look totally happy. You don't look like an unhappy monkey. You can't even see where the neural implant was put in. He's not uncomfortable, and he doesn't look weird. <laughs> Now, so that means he, he looks uncomfortable, he looks really weird. To does, me, when yeah. he says that, that's exactly. suspicious. <laughs> Big antennae coming out, yeah. a little monkey head and that. You could just see him sort of like, you're like when you're sort of answering the door and you don't want anyone to look behind it. You can imagine just pulling this sort of lab's door shut so that the regulator in quite can't, can't sort of see behind him. He's all trying to get a peek in and all of his monkeys screaming and things being oh. thrown around. <laughs> Chomping teeth and screams. And Musk there going, he's not uncomfortable and he doesn't look weird <laughs> oh. so Mr. Musk added that, he's, uh, that an inspector with the US Department of Agriculture described Neuralink's laboratory as and I quote the nicest monkey facilities unquote right Whoa. that they had ever seen the nicest monkey facilities that they had ever seen. <laughs> so, how many monkey facilities are there? Yeah, that's what I mean. In a zoo, a monkey facility, can't you class a zoo? Does it have to be <laughs> some fucking lab? They're going to be happier in climbing frame, aren't they? Rather than getting their heads drilled. This is um, a, but a spokesman for the agency was not immediately available for comment. So that's a bit telling as well, isn't it? Exactly. He got paid out by Musk's millions. Yeah, Jesus. that's it. So Musk went on. We went the extra mile for the monkeys. One of the things we're trying to figure out is if we could have monkeys playing mind pong with each other. That would be pretty cool. So can you imagine? This is his aim. He wants monkeys playing computer games with each other just with their minds. 
<laughs> so he can just whack off and look at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man's evil. The things he's doing in that facility with those monkeys. <laughs> I think the actual little sort of neural chips probably the least of the problems, isn't it? You know, it's probably like a little holiday from all the other horrors. You know. Yeah, exactly. What else is happening in there? You know, what about the zebras and the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> mind zebras? But it, in the short term, Neuralink plans to use its wireless chips to treat brain disorders and diseases. But longer-term goals for the startup are far more ambitious, ranging from the human AI symbiosis concept to something the CEO refers to as conceptual telepathy. And this, this would involve humans thinking about a complex series of concepts and then transferring them directly, uncompressed, to another person. So Jesus. these neural chips are going to be a two-way street. They're not going to be just like, you know, you're thinking of this and controlling a computer. You'll be able to think of this and it'll go into the neural chip, the neural chip that will then talk to another neural chip, and that neural chip will talk to the mind of another person. Oh my god, that's terrifying, isn't yeah. it, though? Imagine, you know, like some spy or something, and you wanted some information out of him. If you put one of them chips in, you can just, like, bleed him out of his brain or something, you know? Well, I, mean, I, th- like, I, think, I think the idea is with these is that you can, you kind of manipulate the chip in your own head. I think there's probably techniques uh, you use to actually sort of transmit to it and then that yeah. sort of turns into like a binary signal you know and then that binary signal could be decoded if you wish to transmit sort of thing but um, it, Musk says that this would massively improve the quality of communication and the speed of it right? and he says there are other pretty wild things that could be done you could probably save state in the brain so if you were to die your state would be returned in the form of another human body or a robot body. You could decide if you wanted to be a robot or a person or whatever. Now he's saying, or oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, That's crazy. See, he's talking about uploading your personality into whatever you want. So you could, you could go into a monkey. You could be a chimpy boy. <laughs> And he's on about a human. Where are you going to get a human from? You know what I mean? A human's going, oh, well, do you mind actually being brainless and letting me be your brain now? Oh, yeah, all right then. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's like, what? Well, he, he's, he says here as well, he says, you wouldn't exactly be the same to be a little ass in transfer, but it's also true that if you wake up today, you're not exactly the same as you were yesterday. Now, that says an awful lot about him to me, that. I yeah, think he's uh, yeah. saying, oh, you would be a little bit of a loss here and there, you know what I mean? But don't worry about it. You're basically yeah. roughly the same person while I transform your body, your mind, into the body of a gorilla. You know? Oh, <laughs> Just... my God. Someone needs to stop him at end of day. We need some kind of like hero dude to go like helicopter in and stop it. Know. You know what I mean? Tom Cruise, <laughs> give it to them two guys. Yeah. <laughs> mad versus mad, you know. Oh, man. He's probably in the lair already, isn't he? You know what I mean? Well, this is it. You know what I mean? He's just, he, he's, he's just so mad. I mean, they say, mm. apparently, like during a demonstration of the technology last August, they're proving that there's a very good chance that these neural chips could solve blindness, solve paralysis, and solve hearing, while simultaneously wow. allowing humans to compete with advanced artificial intelligence. And uh, Neuralink released a video on Saturday of a robot capable of surgically implanting the brain chips into humans. And Mr. Musk said more details would be announced about the startup's progress next month. So, 
things, wow, things are taking a proper sinister turn there, I think. You know? Yeah, it is. That's big in it, you know what I mean? That's like a, bit of a weird big future muskies trying yeah. to <laughs> shoehorn it. Well, well, the thing I is, I, I've said for a long time, you see, that the issue we've got, it's like your mobile phone, you know, everyone's got a mo- mobile phone, and what what's the, the interface is rubbish. Basically, mm. you're holding one thing in, a, in one of your hands, and it's totally taking that hand up. Uh, your eyes yeah. are constantly on your phone, whereas you can see you see, see people wandering out and looking at the phone, stepping out into traffic, holding the phone. You know, if you want to find some information out, we're basically what we're doing is we type the words or, or speak to it and ask your phone, oh, will you Siri or whatever it is, can you find out this piece of information or play that sort of music? It's yeah. it, we're using one interface to actually connect with another, and it's like it's, it's a very clunky method of working. It's it's basically it's no better than the typewriter, isn't it? We're still using well, that. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, well, <laughs> well yeah, technology-wise, it is a lot better than that. But basically, we're doing yeah, that yeah. stuff. All right, touch screen, you can argue is is the next step, but it's still mm. quite a clunky interface. And I, I've always thought to myself, the Google Glass, you know, the glasses. I, yeah, I thought yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty cool sort of concept and a great way of working, but now this step on is obviously a huge step. And I'm, Why would you have it? Would you get like? Would you get chipped? I can't do, do it, know, man. I can't. I don't Just know. Just from a bit of quicker pawn and that, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Beam straight into your brain, you know? <laughs> In it, oh no, I'll do it old-fashioned way, even if he does uh, use up one of my hands. He'd <laughs> <laughs> use up both your hands there, kid. <laughs> I tell you what though, I want a monkey me to play video games with. You feel like you know, because I normally play games on my own. You just think you got a little game monkey you can have. You know what I mean? Come on, game monkey! Oh, <laughs> you, you, you are a game monkey. <laughs> Not wrong with that. <laughs> Keeping in that kind of same realm here, there's something that's common. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> well, not the monkeys, not the monkeys. It's more, the, more right. the the world of people like Musk and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the headline here is uh, from The Guardian by Rupert Neat, and it says, Star buys. Celebrities send meteorite prices into orbit, right? And it says, They really are from out of this world, and the prices are astronomical. For those who have everything they need on Earth, what they now want is a little bit of space. Meteorites are attracting the attention of celebrity collectors who have pushed the price of the rocks, which have hurtled through space for hundreds or even thousands of years before crashing into this planet. They pushed the price tenfold over the past decade, right? Now, more, more, than, more than 70 of the most spectacular meteorites ever found will go under the hammer at Christie's Auction House next week in a sale that is expected to generate millions of pounds. Included in the Deep Impact Auction are meteorites embedded with gemstones, and others have suffered such an impact from blasting through the atmosphere at up to 160,000 miles an hour that they resemble sculptures by Alberto Giacometti or Henry Moore. Now, so you can imagine this, all these meteorites, this big collection, some of the best meteorites, and they're all just going to go on sale, but obviously me or, me or you, we can't afford anything like that, can we, you know? Yeah, no, but no. it's like, you know, I, I, I find it a little bit, bit sort of, I'm a little bit suspicious here. 
but um, I'll go on. A slice of a meteorite that's been scientifically proven to have fallen from the moon is expected to sell for between 180,000 and 250,000 pounds. The chemical comp from the moon. Well, because what happens is they know what the moon's made of. That we know now. We yeah. have plenty of moon rocks taking them apart. But as soon as a because it's got quite a weak atmosphere, if you have a meteorite hit the moon, it blasts ah. a shit ton of room, moon rock up, and that right. rock then falls into our orbit and then sort of lands on the Earth. Christ, that's that's wild, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? it? Wow. Yeah. So the chemical composition of others has been compared to samples of Mars atmosphere measured by NASA's expeditions to Mars to prove that they are really are Martian meteorites. Same thing. So Mars rock has been blasted off from the surface and eventually come to land here. I mean, that's just fucking bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And to say the, the, you know, the chances of it hitting... I suppose the orbit's going to get sucked into our orbit, isn't it? Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be a direct hit on Earth. And it's like, God, that's a good shot from Mars, <laughs> isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. It is a bit, of a, bit of a, sort of, a bit of a weird one. But uh, James Hislop, the, uh, the Christie's auctioneer overseeing the online auction, said meteorites have experienced a surge in popularity as they capture so many people's imaginations and are exceedingly rare. The weight of every known meteorite is less than the world's output annual output of gold, and some have sold for ten times their weight in gold. And Hislop says, Everyone has looked up at the night sky and thought, what is out there? They appeal to everyone, from children to elderly people. There is something very special about an object that has really fallen from the heavens. So... That's what Hislop wow. says, you know. Yeah, but it is trippy though, isn't it? You know what I mean? I, I do see why um, they're selling more than gold. You know, gold's nice, isn't it? You know what I mean? But God, from this, from the heavens. Well, it is. It's true. But um, I'm. What's getting me is the people who are sort of like looking at the buying these things now. They're sort of multi, multi, multi billionaires and millionaires and people like Musk and people who seem to have a vested interest in space already. Mm. And now they're buying moon rocks. Now are they just buying moon rocks willy nilly? Because if you're asking me, right, like somebody like Elon Musk, who apparently is one of these celebrities who's doing this, why would you spend millions on space rocks when you've got a space program that's going out into space and you better pick those rocks up anywhere? Yeah. It strikes yeah, me. It's yeah. Well, it strikes me that there's ulterior motives on the go here. Now, listen to this. This is absolutely fucking mental, right? <laughs> cool. So, Naveen Jain, I think he's pronounced his name, is an Indian multimillionaire who is attempting to build spacecraft to mine gold and platinum on the moon. <laughs> and he owns the largest private meteorite collection, valued at more than $5 million, right? And he says, Many of these meteorites are billions of years old. Imagine holding that in your hands, the earliest part of the solar system. It feels amazing. So he is planning to go to space, but I think this is what they're doing. They're finding rocks from Mars, from wherever it might have been blasted out from. And they're not doing it just to say, oh, this is wonderful, it's from sort of space. They're, they're, I think they're putting a dollar market on these things, as in, oh, we found these minerals, they're on the moon, that's where we're going to go to mine the moon. Yeah, 
that makes sense, doesn't it? Like, say, the, the proper looking at the structure of it, thinking we can use that, we can use that, that's going to make us a million. Get the rockets, boys. That's exactly Jesus. what it comes to. It's almost going to be like a space gold rush. Because I'm of the impression as well that the... I'm certain that they all know something. There's something known at the moment, because did you know that there's a tracker for the amount of spaceships that are going into space at the moment? And it's insane. There's like daily are taking off huge cargoes of things yeah. that are going into space every day, and nobody knows what it is. It's, it's all just, right. you know... Yeah, yeah it's getting... Pre- it's like the next three days, or it might have happened already, but this week, uh, three different... Countries are going to land on Mars. You know they're kind of like uh, robotic really? fucking. Yeah, so it's like Dubai's hitting first, China second, and I can't remember what the other country is. Uh, I think it's Musk actually. I yeah. Musk is the third one, but they're like a window last year. I think July or something where it'll take you seven months to get to Mars rather you. than like you know in the years it normally. Takes. It were like a sweet um, spot kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they all blasted off together. But you're right. You know the, the amount of interest suddenly, and you're right. About that mining, I keep hearing it plays about mining the moon. Suddenly, they're all at it and they're all landing on Mars. It's all like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, there's something serious going on because the thing is, as well, they talked about sort of like it was all it was all sort of space tourism. The term they're saying, oh, space tourism. Yeah, everyone's going to get to go to space yeah. now. And in, like the Virgin Galactic plane with its little sort of like um, like little portholes in it, so you can all have a little fly through space and have a look out. That technology is there now. It's all just there and easy to do. Mm. We know how to get up into space and things. But that's not what the big companies are actually sort of planning to do. They're looking at yeah. what looks to be space freight. This is heavy lifting mm. gear that's going to fly up and land back down on Earth that they're, they're designing and have already designed. So why do we need all these different craft and these vessels? And what is going on up there that we yeah. don't know about? Well, it's that bit, you know, you think, oh, gold and diamonds and stuff, but there's that uh, mineral in Africa, is it Colton? Have you heard oh, of that one? No, it's no, like, no. Yeah, it's like in your mobile phones, it's like, you know, it's oh, a yeah. superconductor. Um, it's so, a rare you know, earth just, mineral. <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean? There's hell holes in Africa where the poor buggers are mining it all out just so we could have a Samson or an apple, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if you think, you're, God, if it's, you know, this slicker stuff on the moon and Mars or something, you know, this even better conductor or... God, you just can't, you can't guess it, can you? No, you can't. I mean, the people, the list of people who are actually out buying it, and buying these things, you've got Elon Musk, you've got, um, you know, let's have a look here, Steven Spielberg, he's into buying him, Nicolas Cage, who starred in the <laughs> core out of space, of course. You know? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, Yuri Geller's still buying the fucking things, he's, he's getting involved as usual. Uh, and even the, even the cellist, Yo-Yo Ma, even he's buying all this sort of stuff. So it's like, who? It, uh, uh, he's very, very good. Yo-Yo, he's called Yo-Yo Ma. I think he's, I think he's Japanese or Chinese or Japanese, one or the other. And he's a, he's a, he's a fantastic cellist. It's one of my favourite instruments. Is a cello. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, it looks like everyone's getting in on the old uh, meteorite game. So yeah. I just think I don't know what it is. It's a mystery to me. It's a, it's something that I'm going to keep a very close eye on. The idea of what are they looking for in these meteorites? Are they just having them as an ornament, or are they taking them yeah. apart? Are they looking at the chemical composition of these pieces of rock, and are they looking to rape space in a massive <laughs> gold rush of some sort? You know, yeah. because who's to wow. say? I mean, we presume that all the minerals in the world, are in, in the universe, discoverable, are all on Earth. But that doesn't have yeah. to be the case. I mean, they said already there's some planets which are made of solid diamond. They found planets that are made uh, just because is that where Superman lives? <laughs> I think it could well be. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because the pressures and the, the and the sort of created on other planets over such long periods of time, because it's pressure that creates sort of like new elements here. 
yeah. on those planets there could be brand new elements that have just been created by the immense pressures and forces and heat or cold or whatever it is that's going on on the, on the surface so I think yeah. there's something like that going on it's, it's all very odd you know. It's cosmic, dude. It's <laughs> cosmic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, something that I find looks like um, looks like it's from outer space for me. It's one of my favourite animals. It's the octopus. Yeah, um, it is, isn't it? It's really alien. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So the headline we've got here is a good one. It says, octopus, octopuses, <laughs> octopuses <laughs> sometimes punch fish out of spite, scientists say. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I love that headline. <laughs> out of spite. <laughs> This is by Emily oh, Goddard. Tell me. <laughs> this is Emily Goddard of the Independent. And, it's, oh, and it says octopuses. Because it, it's not octopi, it has to be octopuses, apparently. That's wrong. Octopi? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of it, yeah. Octopuses. So, but it's yeah. octopuses and fish team up to pursue prey. So it's like, because they're so intelligent, they kind of get together and team up and they sort stuff out, right? But, yeah. um, but they do not always seem to get along, research suggests. <laughs> So the tentacled cephalopods, it seems, can get a little salty and randomly punch their hunting partners, sometimes out of spite. (laughs) So their bullish behaviour has been caught on camera by researchers observing interactions between octopuses and several fish species in the Red Sea. So footage captured by... I'm thinking about it, sorry. I'm just fucking excited. <laughs> thinking just about it. Oh my god. It's so funny watching that footage. Sorry, mate, go on. Footage captured by Eduardo Sampaio, a researcher at the University of Lisbon in Portugal, shows several octopuses lashing out at fish as they happily swim alongside. <laughs> And fish are just so dumb, aren't they? Like, crap. Ooh, ooh, it's just like kicking a dog in it for them. It's <laughs> yeah, an horrible need. thing to do. But... That's your hunting partner. Well, octopuses and fish are known to hunt together, taking advantage of the other's morphology and hunting strategy. So since right. multiple partners join, this creates a complex network where investment and payoff can be unbalanced, giving rise to a partner control mechanism. So what they're saying is, is because, say for example, the octopus might be using certain very intelligent tactics to yeah. sort of like, um, say, flush out or detect or find prey, the fish might be darting in super quick and sort of like snatching it. So what yeah. they're saying is what the octopus sometimes does is it thinks, right, well, well, I can see the food, if the fish gets to see it first, I won't get any of it. So what I'll do yeah. is I'll just give it a slap, and then I'll lunge in and get and get the get the food sort of thing, right? Sneaky. Yeah. So essentially, what they're saying is, it says the punishing can sometimes serve a purpose by displacing the fish to a degree where it loses the immediate opportunity to catch the prey. But there are times when the explanation for the blow remains unclear. And could just be a display of spiteful behaviour. <laughs> he just he just loves that feel. You get your tentacle, you smack a cod right in his jaw. Yeah, you really give it a good lamping, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
There's something about, like, I don't know if you like, you, if you have fish or something, like if you have a fresh, there's something like a slap of the side of a, like a muscular fish, you just think, yeah, I could really yeah. punch this. <laughs> you know when someone gets a fish and slaps another man around the face with a fish, oh. there's something really satisfying about oh, that. There there's just, sort of knuckles meeting, yeah, just scale. a halibut catching somebody right around the side of the face. <laughs> <laughs> There's something classic about it as well. It's gone on for years, hasn't it? That? So I think that I think that's the octopus is showing an even even higher level of intelligence than we even thought possible before. In the fact, it just yeah. likes to go around battering cod. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> know, oh god, yeah, well, octopus. I, I know it's like, but, but is octa many or something? Does octa mean many? Or eight. Is it, is it, it like, means eight. Oh, so that means eight. Yeah, and then. I'm not even going to go down that road, but why is it an octopus, you know what I mean? Because it it looks like a... I don't understand it. Why is it called a pus? Well, what it actually comes from, you see, is the the Greek, the ancient Greek for octopus, right? Which comes from octo, which is eight, and pus, which means foot. Eight foot. (laughs) Oh, right. Oh, cool. That's it. So, yeah, that's how we can go on with that, can you? You know? I like that one with the politics. Have you heard the meaning of politics? Um, do you know I have, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. So. Yeah, it, uh, poly means many. Yeah. Uh, and, and ticks is a parasite, you know, like a tick, like a fucking hedgehog gets, you know what I mean? Really? It's many parasites, <laughs> yeah. And they've called it that forever, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we still haven't fucking learnt from it, you know what I mean? <laughs> many parasites. I like this. It's, it's a bit of a two-way street in this particular story. We're both learning something. <laughs> no, no. You, you don't get that much from me, do you? Shit. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you saw this story in the news this week, which is, is it really tickled me, and it's been across a lot of different networks, so I've, I've taken the story from a few different places. And in Texas, they have, like, an amber alert system, right? So that you can they can send things out. You know, for example, if a kid goes missing or something like this, or there's a particular oh, yeah. danger in an area, right? And that's what the sort of, like... Uh, it, it's like an early warning system, so, you, you know, you can subscribe to this service... Mm. It could be there, your, your phone could buzz, and you suddenly realise, oh no, a kid's gone missing, or oh, there's a yeah, lunatic yeah. in the area, right? And an amber alert has been sent out across parts of Texas, right? And it's saying that they have to be a lookout for a suspect. And the listed, this suspect has been 28 years old, with red auburn hair, right? Blue eyes, who stands about 3 foot 1 and weighs 16 pounds. And the description of this subject, right, he says he's said to be wearing blue denim overalls with a multicoloured striped long sleeve shirt underneath, and he's carrying a large knife. And he. Ch- that's fucking Chucky! <laughs> the answers to the name of Chucky! <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking this picture is turning into Chucky! <laughs> and his race was listed as, but instead of human, he says he's as other. Um, doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hacked it or something. Yeah, so basically, what it is, it's the uh, the Chucky was a was was it Child's Play movie or something like that? Like yeah, it's like yeah, a possessed, possessed doll, wasn't it? That would kill loads yeah, and loads yeah. of people, right? So faced with numerous media inquiries as to why an alert was being sent hunting for a cartoonish villain from a slasher movie series, the department issued a statement saying. 
This alert is a result of a test malfunction. We apologise for the confusion this may have caused and are diligently working to ensure that it doesn't happen again. <laughs> mm, that, there's a story behind that, isn't there? You know what I mean? As if you're going to do like, oh, let's do a test and let's let's do a Chucky test. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, there's some, <laughs> well, someone's gone a bit fucking off the rails there. I, I think they, I think they probably do something like that because it's so silly that they won't sort of like make a mistake and send it out. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So that's running the little test, see if it works, put it through the system. Yeah, it does, right? And of course, if you've got sort of people running this new technology, they might be, they're probably a bit geeky out there. They might be thinking, oh, yeah, let's put Chucky in, that'd be funny. And then somebody's yeah, pressed yeah. send, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, Excellent. luckily, it's not. Can you believe it's true, though? Can we give that? He's actually the subject that just oh didn't realise it. <laughs> There is something really creepy about Chucky, the way it moves and stuff. You know when it's just like inanimate. What was it? Inanimate. Uh, animated. Or, yeah. 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 But it's just when it's just the doll and it's not, and then you know it's going to just like kick off as that running around and hiding under sofas and See, stuff. See, I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen the movie. And yeah, no, there's loads of movies I've seen. One, <laughs> yeah, first one's really good, and a couple of other ones are alright. There's some real pants ones in series though, but first one, oh, it proper stands up. That's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I'll leave that to you, you can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. so sticking with the uh, the sort of with unusual bands, you know, little ones and stuff mm. this time, we've got another one here, right? US toddler to release debut album recorded in the womb. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. And this is by Ben Bowman Thomas for The Guardian. And an American toddler, Luca Yupanqui, is gearing up to release her debut album, the world's first LP, made from sounds inside the womb. Her parents oh, are. Farting. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's find out, right? So, her parents are Elizabeth Hart and member of psych rock band Psychic Ills, and musician Even Diaz Mathe, who worked with Lee Scratch Perry and others. Now, what I can't understand about this is, first of all, right, he's called Ivan Diaz Mathe, right, and she's called Elizabeth Hart, but the kid's going to be called Luca Yupanqui. That's just weird, isn't it? Yeah. This, old, this old tale is off his head. Yeah, I know it is, but, but apparently they've worked with Lee Scratch Perry and others, so in five-hour-long joint meditation sessions, they recorded Yupanqui in utero via electrodes on Hart's abdomen and using biosonic MIDI technology transcribed the vib- vibrations they picked up into a synthesizer. So all the little paces and, like, your heart rate... And all this oh, sort of stuff, right, you know, yeah, yeah, they've, yeah. They've, they've put it through a fucking synthesizer. So, <laughs> so the recordings were then edited down with Hart and Diaz Mathe trying to intervene as little as possible, allowing Luca's message to exist in its raw form, according to a statement. And the album, Sounds of the Unborn, will be released on 2nd of April, right? And 
I don't know about that. Second of April, it's a bit close to April Fools for me. Is that? You know? Yeah, true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so already exhibiting the kind of confidence required by rock stars, Yupanqui is apparently a fan of her own work. Her awareness of what was happening was astounding," said their record label, Sacred Bones, recording the mixing sessions with Yupanqui as a baby. She would open her eyes wide and stare at her parents, seemingly recognising her own sounds from the womb, knowing they were revisiting those rituals that made them come together as one. <laughs> I just saw out there. And those noises are quite good. It's like whale noises and stuff like that, you know what I mean? I do find them really relaxing, that underwater type of stuff. And I bet it's quite similar, isn't it? You know, heartbeats and swishy liquids and stuff, you know what well, I mean? Well, that, that's all the farts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, it is all those little noises and stuff, and a lot of that is related as well. I think this is why certain like brown noise, white noise, and more specifically pink noise is actually yeah. reminiscent of the sound of blood flow it, when you eat a baby in the womb sort of thing. You will hear that, that sort of whooshing, swooshing sort of sound, you know? And it's, yeah. you know, and it, it's, I think that is totally true. I think it is quite relaxing. And we'll definitely give this a listen when it comes out. I think we've got to, yeah, give, got yeah, to give it a yeah, whirl. Yeah, of interest. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Because it is, it is a bit unusual, a bit different, but, you know, it's also yeah. fucking bonkers, of course. <laughs> <laughs> These people obviously don't have a grip on reality because it's just, you know... Yeah. But then again, fair play, that's creativity, isn't it? This is what people in the creative arts... Are, sort of get up to sometimes where they just kind of really dip into something which we might find quite unusual you know what do you think of it do you want to give it a listen no, I'll definitely give it a listen, especially in the bath or something, it lights out, maybe a candle on. Oh my um, god, can you imagine you returning to the womb? <laughs> <laughs> Just that babbing it bath or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an umbilical cord, put it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's about a metre length. Right? <laughs> So I'm quite liking the idea of sticking with the old parenthood kind of thing now. You know, we've had one evil baby in the form of Chucky, and we've got one musical baby in the form of that little kid in the womb there, you know. (laughs) And uh, we've got a a bit decent parenting going on here, I think. So the mother of the boy filmed verbally abusing Chris Whitty confiscates his PlayStation. <laughs> oh, yeah, is it on the street, that horrible kid? Yeah. <laughs> so, a teenager who verbally abused Professor Chris Whitty in the street has had his PlayStation confiscated by his mother as punishment, it has been reported. So, the boy's behaviour was wild, widely condemned after a video emerged showing him repeatedly accusing England's chief medical officer of lying about the pandemic. As Whitty was buying a lunch at a Mexican food stall in a street in central London, the 15-year-old boy is heard to say to Whitty, You're a liar. You lie about the COVID-19 cases. Stop lying to the TV, man. Right. (laughs) The teenager, who has not been named, filmed himself making the false claims to Whitty and shared the video on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the video was later posted on Twitter by the Conservative MP Matt Vickers and described the boy's behaviour as appalling. Now his mother, 47, has joined in the condemnation and told the boy to record another video apologising to Whitty according to yeah. an interview in the Mail Online. 
Oh, I can't wait to see that. Good on it, because I thought he just took PlayStation. That is not enough, yeah. you know what I mean? He needs a good kicking or something, but no, yeah. apologising. <laughs> yeah. he, he quotes her as saying, I was horrified when I saw how rude my son had been to Mr. Witte. That is not how I brought him up, and not the behaviour that I expect from him. And she explained that she had punished the boy, saying, I have taken away his PlayStation, which is the thing he loves the most. I have not grounded him because he is already suffering enough from the lockdown and does not go out as much as he used to. Witty was forgiving. When asked about the incident on Wednesday's Downing Street briefing, he said the young lad appeared to be showing off. He added, I didn't think anything of it, frankly. I was very surprised it was picked up by the media at all as anything of any importance. I'm sure he'll become a model citizen in due course and hopefully more like Captain Tom who is a kind of person who I think much more exemplifies the spirit of the UK. The only has to shoehorn fucking Captain Tom into everything, oh, don't no. oh. I was about to say I thought he dealt with it really well, or just like the, the passive-aggressive kind of yeah. just puts his mask on, stands there, and just waits for the dog shit to go away, yeah, you know what I mean? But, yeah, to do that well, Shoehorn fucking Tom <laughs> yeah. into it. I mean, fair play to Captain Bless Tom him. and everything like that, but it's, it, yeah, I'm sick yeah. of it. He's, he's, he's the Princess Diana of 2020. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a great bloke, but it's how they've that cheesiness from the press and everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. you know, how they've used him in yeah, a way, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that symbol, it's just, it's just, uh, it's very really cynical, isn't it? Isn't I think it? it's quite a cynical yeah. sort of manipulation of an old chap, you know. Yeah. The bo- get out there and clap for him again and all that. He's like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but the boy's mother suggested her son's video was a sign of the impact on the mental health of young people during lockdown. She said, he was trying to give a message across to Mr. Witty and make him understand what he and other youngsters are going through. And I'm very upset and angry with him over how he did it. He's actually quite an intelligent boy. Right, I'm not having him being intelligent. He's a little dickhead. No, he won't at no. all. He won't, yeah. Thick as treacle, that's what he is. I do feel sorry for kids being locked down. I really do feel sorry for him because these are like years of your youth you don't get back. You know, it's, it's, it's times when we were kids, like, wandering around, having fun, you know, on your case, smashing stuff. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but kids, they don't make no fucking difference for kids because they're all on TikTok at home doing silly dances anyway. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> other than, they haven't been for years. They haven't been going anywhere for years. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in lockdowns and fuck them all, you know what I mean? They all should be here, you know what I mean? No excuse. Exactly, exactly. Well said, that kid. Little shit. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it that in. <laughs> well, keeping with COVID and all that sort of malarkey, you know, I thought. I think we're going to stay on this particular subject because I want you to hand out a little bit of uh, agony ant style advice. I mean, you've been around a bit, haven't oh, you? Yeah. you know, you've had a few, a few little cheeky relationships here and there. You know, you've been around the around yeah, the block yeah. a few times. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> so I saw a question in the Guardian this uh, this week, and it was it, it, it is actually in the, like, the agony ant section. It's Pamela Stevenson Connolly, right? Which is actually you know Billy Connolly's wife. Yeah, she does like an agony ant column, you see. 
And this is a question yeah. that was asked to her. Now, I'm not going to give her her response because I want you to answer the question, what they should do, right? <laughs> I'm going to put it to you. <laughs> so, the question is, right, my girlfriend and I have never met and COVID is making it impossible. What should we do? Now, this is the longer part of it, right? And it says, mm. my girlfriend and I are deeply in love. We live in different countries and have yet to meet, but I am convinced we are the perfect match. We both love sex, but with no end date in sight for the pandemic, we don't know when we'll be able to see each other. We've discussed everything with painful honesty at times, even that we both had thoughts of having sex with someone else. We're amazed we can discuss this. For now though, it's off the table. And what should we do in the meantime while we wait for the borders to open? So that's the question there from this person. So to, to recap, he, him and his girlfriend are deeply in love, right? Uh, they have mm-hmm. never met. They both love sex yeah. and they've been thinking about having sex with other people, right? <laughs> but they haven't done this, right? Jesus. First of all, I'd like to ask you the question, what do you think they're up to at the moment? <laughs> Well, I've got a few solutions. First one's a bit, a little bit like thinking I'd check that they were real. Yeah. Because there's probably two scammers that are trying to scam each other. And it's, they're probably not even real in first yeah. place. First, make sure they're real. Yeah. There's always like, like, like cam to cam wanking isn't there, you can do. It. <laughs> <laughs> but if they want the real thing, I suggest you know you can print off a mask of each other. Yeah. Get someone else involved, you know, a bit of a foursome going on, and the other person wears a mask, and you just start rattling. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. They could get, you know, stick the mask on your grandma because you're all in the same bubble. <laughs> oh, yeah. Someone in your bubble, you're having to get pet dog involved and stuff. <laughs> this human mask on. But you know the the thing is as well because I'm I'm a I'm a bit older me so it's like I've never had any of these sort of thing with internet sex or anything like that where because yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what I mean I've seen things advertised where you they have like you can even get like machines can't you which you kind of automatically sort of or remotely you can activate them so so yeah, you can pop yeah. in your old John Thomas or stick up your tuppence you know what I mean and the person <laughs> at the other end can press the button and make you all visit so I suppose they could do a bit of that couldn't they I, I imagine. But, but they're still like on about having sex with other people, isn't it? That's a bit of a bizarre yeah. bit to it, I thought, you know what I mean? It's just like, well, if you're so in love, you won't be think, right, we'll wait no matter how long, let's keep jerking off or something. <laughs> but, I mean, that, <laughs> getting someone else involved is like, no, I don't think this is going to work out, guys. But the thing is, as well, I, mean, I must have pretty good webcams, because the thing is, the webcams that I've got like built into my laptop, you know, if I've, if I've ever done like a Zoom call, um, I look like a, like I say, I look like a bin fire that's been put out with a shovel. I don't look sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and for them to find each other attractive while they've been yanking one off, it yeah. do, it's not going to look good, is it? Oh, that's going to like meet and like you know the high resolution of it might freak them out. You know? <laughs> why, <laughs> why, why are you all blurry? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think I think. Just, oh no! I don't think they should mate. Just, I don't think they should mate. I don't. I think it, your, no, your solution is the best. Print off a mask, pop it on your granny, and rattle away on that instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep her happy. What? <laughs> oh, nasty. <laughs> Golden great storm. I never will play the wild rover no more on its snow. Nay, never. No, nay, never, no more. 
Will I play the wild So they're saying there that's a relationship where one person's abroad and the cat can't cross the borders to meet each other anytime soon, can they? But we've got, we've got really, we've got a foreign gentleman here who's, I think he's doing the country a disservice. If you want to hear this story. Oh, pray yeah. tell, please. A Frenchman in Derby reviews revolting Greg's sausage roll. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, this is on. a story from Courtney Poaching, John Glover, Matthew Lodge for the Derby Telegraph, right? I don't know why it took three of them to do this, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> this piece. <laughs> so a Frenchman who lives in Derby has gone viral after posting a hilariously mean review about the humble Greg's sausage roll. Right. <laughs> so Nicolas Henri has lived in the UK for more than two and a half years, but had never tasted what could arguably be called one of Britain's favourite pastries. However, this all changed when Nicholas woke up on Saturday, January the 30th, with an appalling hangover, having had a few too many drinks the night before. In an effort to try and raise his spirits and get rid of the hangover, his friend, Lake Le Mercier, ordered him a sausage roll and a sausage bean and cheese melt for breakfast, right, from Greg's. Fucking hell on a nangle. Yeah, I know, that. I'd, just be, I'd be bringing that straight back up. cooking, <laughs> <laughs> it's making me want to vom now. Jesus. I'm going to be sick again. <laughs> <laughs> But despite the fact she thinks he's a food snob because he's French, <laughs> which I think is a great... <laughs> Just with broad stroke. Straight out with that. <laughs> Lake still had high hopes, while Nicholas took it very seriously, given he knows the high regard people have for Greg's in this country, and he decided to pen a proper review of it. So finding his opinion hilarious, Lake decided to share it on Reddit, where the review went viral. Lake uploaded the review to the social media platform, writing, My French friend has lived in the UK for almost three years and has never been to Greg's. Obviously, being British, I just couldn't let it go. So I got Greg's sausage roll delivered to his door, and an hour later he sent me this. Alongside this was a, uh, was a photo of the detailed review, which took Nicholas over an hour and a half to write. <laughs> it reads... I know British people are sometimes described as explorers or pioneers, and I have to admit that Craig's managed to do something groundbreaking with their sausage roll. As I chewed and swallowed, I simply couldn't understand how something could taste so bland, yet so revolting at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> the crust tastes like cardboard. It was passed through a blender and then compressed together into puff pastry. The sausage is all over the place. Sometimes it feels like mushy gelatine. Sometimes it's spicy. Yet I chewed through it and bite after bite I could see its intrinsic value. I cannot say I liked it. Probably because I didn't. But it was all right, and it gets the job done to fill you up. <laughs> oh, God. oh, this shame I'm feeling oh, at no. the moment. 
That bloody Greg's all of it. You can go. You, how can they get like a sausage sandwich wrong as well? Have you ever had a sausage sandwich or um, a bacon sandwich? No, I can't Greg? eat any of it because I can't eat all the dough. It's all shite. It's all full of gluten. Every <laughs> single bit of it. There's not nothing good in there. I, don't, I think maybe I haven't had a cake for years. Actually, I can't diss the cakes because I ain't had one for fucking decades. But, but no, Greg's is shit, and it's, it's the lowest common denominator. The, the only thing they've done right, Greg's, is marketing. To sort of, you know, to sort yeah. of sell their bland wares, and it, and I think it's just that's the only thing they've got right. It's kind of funny. Greg's is an institution, but I think if anything, Greg's yeah. does personify British food. We're always turning around and saying, "Oh no, we're getting better. We're, we're doing this food now or that food." Our cuisine's gone through the roof. Yes, it has, but still, the majority of people are going to McDonald's, they're going to Greg's, and that's where they're getting the lunch yeah. or the bit of something to eat. You know, I mean, a Sunday morning, yeah. you know, they're queuing up and get one of the fucking horrible coffees that they do there. You know, that's, that's what I mean. The queuing up, parking to go into Greg. Where's your dignity? <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, it really infuriates me when you you see like a some mother there with pushed chair and she's getting like putting sausage oh, roll in no. little toddler's hands and it's it's like oh oh yeah, that's it. Just it's maddening. Eat your salt up. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's absolutely sickening. But Nicholas went on to admit that he didn't eat very much of the sausage bean and cheese melt because he couldn't. Because yeah, he couldn't. Because it reminded him of the awful food he'd eaten at school, which didn't hold a candle to his family's cooking. And he added, uh, it's yeah. true, is that? Well, he added that even though he didn't enjoy the food, he was glad he'd experienced that and now understood why people go to Greg's. Do you remember at slop bucket at school and you said like all leftover food went into this big slop bucket for pigs or something? It's like someone just got like ladled out a fucking <laughs> look of that shite into a pasta, a soggy pasta. There's your bean and sausage pasta. Oh, and he went on, does he says, I now appreciate where some guys in the morning go. Do you know what, mate? I could really go for some sausage roll now. Yes, I get it. That's what Greg's is. He's like a nice neighbour. He sits there quietly when you need him to fill you up. After a rough night, he will be there for you. I don't think... That's bizarre. He's been, so he's come round a bit, really. And, you know, he says, They're a lovely company where you see the dishes on the shelf and that doesn't work for me because I'm French. I like croissant. That's what you said. I like croissant. And only, to be honest, right, you've got a choice. You've got a sausage, bean, and whatever it is melt there, right? And and a, and a, mm. and a bottle of what is it? Blue drink. You know, you got your bottle of so, yeah. energy drink, or whatever. You know. Oh Jesus, yeah. Or you yes, could have a nice, or you could have a nice croissant and a cup of coffee. Which are you gonna go for? Oh, the fucking coffee and croissant. Jesus Christ, every every single yeah. time. I just can't. I, oh no, I ain't been at Greg's in a long, long time. Yeah. Well, I, well, I think oh, both, both me and you, we won't, we won't be seeing a Greg's on the island anytime soon, will we? You know what I mean? It's not. No, I'll burn it yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I couldn't. Well, you know, the beast from the east might have gone and trampled all over them all now, anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we <can> live in high hopes.
So you don't really want to be putting a sausage roll like that on your tongue, do you? I mean, it's just you know, a little bit off. Mm. It's great. But what you might have... You'll never get it off that lab. Well, that's what you need. You need a spare tongue, really. That's why I think, right? So we're going to go back in time now. We're going to do a bit of archaeology work here, our kid. And this is a story from the BBC, and it says, Ancient mummies with golden tongues unearthed in Egypt. Right? So the archaeologists have unearthed 2,000-year-old mummies with golden tongues placed inside their mouths in northern Egypt, the Antiquities Ministry says. So an Egyptian-Dominican team worked at Alexandria's Taposiris Magna Temple, discovered 16 burials in rock-cut tombs popular in the Greek and Roman eras. And inside were quite poorly preserved mummies. But it's thought the dead were given gold foil amulets shaped like tongues so that they could speak before the court of the god of Osiris in the afterlife. So ancient Egyptians believed that Osiris was lord of the underworld and judge of the dead. And the god was also pictured in gilded decorations on the cartonnage, a material made of layers of plaster, linen and glue that was partially encasing one of the mummies, lead archaeologist Kathleen Martinez of the University of San Santo Domingo was cited by the Antiquities Ministry as saying. So the, the gilded decorations on the cartonnage around a second mummy's head depicted a crown, horns and a cobra snake. And on the chest, the decoration depicted a necklace from which hung the head of a falcon, which is the symbol of the god Horus. Now, I found this absolutely fascinating, the idea, because what they're saying is, you know, this, this gold tongue will act as a translator, right, for in, in the afterlife. And you need yeah, to go, oh, that's so weird, is that? But, who are we to say that they can't? What happens... Yeah, it's true, though, isn't What it? happens yeah. if these golden tongues, you can really speak to the gods with it? Because nobody's tried it. What you need to do is yeah, get one. Yeah. Don't you have to die first? I think that was it. Like your tongue's gone rotten, but once you're there, you got your nice gold tongue to say, "Yeah, I've been really good." Maybe all so. Way. Maybe that's maybe that's where because we say somebody's silver tongued, don't we? If whether they've been a yeah, bit sort of yeah. like been a bit fancy, so even better than that is gold tongued, isn't it? So you can talk talk to the gods Ooh. and things. I think we should give it. Well, I think we'll give give one of them tongues a bit of a rinse off and pop it in your gob and yeah. see if you can ask God questions. Because can you imagine if you did <laughs> and he just worked and that's all we've been waiting for all this time? Right? <laughs> um, hello, God. Right. Uh, I've got my God on tongue in place. Um, can I have a speedboat? Just <laughs> <laughs> about ten grand, you got to lean down into that mummy's tube and give it a big licorice kiss, a proper tongue dance with that oh, golden that. tongue. Would yeah. you do it? Ten yeah, grand? I, I don't know if no, I, I would. would. Is, is the so old now? Two thousand years. If it was like, if it was fifty years old. Ah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you're going to catch some at nasty, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, 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 a thousand yeah, 2, years old. Yeah, old. It'd just be like a bit, a, bit, a bit like Biltong, won't it? It'd be a bit like beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like kissing a bag, bag of crisps yeah, or something. that's it. It might be quite tasty, actually, right? You know? <laughs> Cheese and onion. Well, the weird thing is with mummies, you see, people talk about mummies as being, oh, so strange, it's so rare and so weird, but they're, they're so common, of mummies, immensely common. Yeah. Did you know that we're in, back in the sort of like the Victorian era, they used to grind mummies up and use it as medicine. Well, I've heard that one, that one steamboats as well. They used to literally be chucking mummies yeah. on the fire in the steamboats. They did that the trains. Like, what the, All what? the trains in South America for a while just ran on mummies. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? 
It's like coal. I'm one of those for that case. Yeah, that's it. But how did the storeroom? Did they just have like one carriage with them all sat up inside, and every now and again (laughs) the stoker would come through, grab another passenger, lob him on fire, (laughs) snap a leg off, and just chuck it in. Can you imagine where? where Bizarre, isn't it? So there must be mining for mummies then, mustn't there? Yeah. I know. Do they burn well, you know what I mean? They must, they must do the job. It just seems weird, doesn't it? You know, like you say, who decided that's going to be fuel? Yeah, it is. Unless you just saw one go up in smoke. Like, fucking hell, look at the flames on there. Jesus. Look <laughs> at fucking mummy go up. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Chuck another old fire arcade. That'll keep me from east. <laughs> But like you said, they're grinding it up and fucking taking it as medicine. Yeah. What's that Snorting lines of mummy. Oh, no, not for me. I don't like all like that. The ultimate yeah. hit. Well, time's a ticking, our kid. Are we there already? Yeah, we're all, all there already. It's time to shut up, shop at Crack and Cove, get ourselves tucked up and maybe go to, uh, go to sleep early because, let's face it, nothing mm. going on. We'll be all on radio for a while, not with uh, the beast from the east kicking about and sort of like all that kind of aggro. I think yeah. we should just, you know, like I said, have a quick nightcap and then get ourselves up those dancers to bed. Well, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> the dancers, <laughs> that'll do our kid. An early, early night. night. But <laughs> you know what? There's always time for one quick story more right oh please and this is a story from Stephen Morris again from the Guardian I've had a lot of Guardian stories this week there's been a lot of interesting news from them so good news Pep very very good and this is tennis court sized scrap of Bristol to become a tiny forest right so a scrap of ground the size of a tennis court beside a river in Bristol is being transformed into a tiny forest featuring 600 trees as part of a nationwide initiative to bring more precious woodland into cities. The area on a plateau next to the River Trim in Southmead will be one of a string of such projects across the UK featuring trees ranging from mighty oaks to birch, elder, blackthorn and gilder rose. So I don't know, I don't know what a gilder rose is, I'd imagine it's like a wild rose, don't you? Mm. You know. And over the next three years, the ambition is to plant more than 100 tiny forests with spots already earmarked in Birmingham, Wolverhampton, Leicester and Glasgow. So what do you think of the idea of like tiny forests? I, I keep thinking of like really tiny, you know, like, like three inch high, <laughs> you know what I mean? But in a t- t- can't they do better than a tennis court? Can't they just do it a little bit, bit you know, like a football ground size one, you know what I mean? It's like, it just seems a bit small, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Is it going to work right Will like it? Well, I do know there's a, there's a big plan at the moment to actually build a, a, or plant a forest, which will be a continual strip of forest from the east coast to the west coast through Yorkshire. I like that. You mentioned it before. That's what we want—a nice green belt, you know, so so animals can travel in it. All like that works, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And there's, there's a right. Well, uh, well, the weird thing is, I'm, I'm kind of in for this a little bit because I know that I, I can't remember the name of the uh, writer now, but I think he got made redundant or something, and he was having a bit. Of rough time of it and he wasn't feeling that thing of nature he wasn't communicating with nature and he found just like a little piece of wild sort of like wild wood kind of thing but it was almost like you know between like an industrial estate and a, and a housing development 
But um, and he and he found this sort of piece of piece of sort of like rough woodland kind of thing, and he, he started he started visiting it, and then he started camping in it, and it's only a little area, no, nobody knew he was there. But it was wild camping, so we just basically bring a little bivy bag and a little bit of sort of like a little stove or something. And oh, super cool. And he, and he realised in this little plot there was um, like foxes, badgers were creeping through, a deer would come stepping gently in sometimes. There'd be all kinds of birds and woodpeckers and things. And he realised it doesn't take much wildlife or you know much wild land for wildlife to inhabit it, and it just becomes a perfect little refuge. As there's you know, might have like hedgehogs doing a bit of garden hopping here to try and find a bit something to eat, but they'd always come back to this little bit of woodland just to sort of like nestle down, yeah. you know. I'll, I'll find out the I'll find out the book. I'll put it in the show notes, sort of thing of what. Um, um, look, yeah, yeah, don't it. But um, in fact, I'll, do you know what? I'll look now. I'll find out what it's called. So actually, yeah, I've, 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 I've had a quick, quick look it up. It's actually a book called uh, it's called Common Ground by Rob Cowan, and it, it puts on the little blurb is it says after moving from London to a new home in Yorkshire and about to become a father for the first time, Rob Cowan finds himself in unfamiliar territory, disorientated and hemmed in by winter and a yearning for open space. He ventures to a nearby edgeland, a pylon-slung tangle of wood, hedge, field, meadow and river that lies unclaimed and overlooked on the outskirts of town. And digging deeper into this lost landscape, he began to uncover its many layers and lives. Beast, bird, insect, plant and people in kaleidoscopic detail. And as the seasons change and the birth of his child draws closer, his transformative journey into this blurry space where human and nature meet becomes increasingly profound. And in bringing this edgeland to life, Cowan offers both a unique portrait of people and place through time and an unforgettable exploration of the common ground we share with the natural world, the past and each other. So that's the thing, you see, it, you don't, it doesn't have to be a massive, you know, a big imposing forest. I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm a little bit like this anyway. I mean, if I'm out with, for, for a little walk with the old, with the old um, lighthouse pooch kind of thing, mm-hmm. I'll dig into all kinds of things. I mean, you can find an ecosystem living under a rock, can't you? You know. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's true. I, but I do agree with. I think we need more forests. But I think sometimes, rather yeah. than planting one massive forest in sort of like in one area, which perhaps people might not visit so much, um, to actually yeah. have something which is on your own doorstep. And it's, it's an incredibly biodiverse mini forest. Perhaps it's something everybody can visit in one way or another. You know what I mean? And perhaps enjoy. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? More is better. You just anywhere. Let's get them done. I, I love that kind of a bit urban, and it's the putting stuff in. I just like that more, more the merrier yeah. for me. But going back to that chap, though, you know what I mean? I, I like that he's a, you know, his wife's expecting a baby, and he's fucking about <laughs> it. Well, he's just doing anything to get out of the house, isn't he? You know what I mean? You get it, get back home, and get it sorted, lad. Jesus, you're shirking out of it. I, I think to be honest. I think he's had a bit of a wobble around it, you know what I mean? He's, he's, yeah, yeah, his yeah. ass has fallen out, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm just going for a yes. walk. You haven't even got a dog. Well, I'm just going to do I'm just going to hide in this hedge. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's camping out. Yeah. He's poor white. Bloody I think hell. she must have realised, and I think, to be honest, Rob Cowan himself, it seems to me like I think he did understand himself that he'd kind of lost lost the plot a little bit. But the fact he's got it back on track yeah. and written a very interesting, sounds like a very moving book about it, then I think, I think yeah, I'm think yeah. i sure I'm sure he's a decent dad. I think he's probably got his, I'm sure, I'm sure he's got his shit together again. But. <laughs> yeah, I bet now. I'm only taking a piece. 
<laughs> but it says the tiny forest of South Mead is part of a wider project called the Trim Valley Open Space Regeneration that aims to bring back trout to the waterway and it includes the planting of the rare black poplar on the riverbank. So that's good, you know. Um, tiny forests are based on woodland management methods developed in the 1970s in Japan where many different species are planted closely together in urban areas. So I think that's a great idea, the idea of planting these little things. It you is, know, it sounds know, really like nice. It. That, it's a yeah. weird thing, is, you know, it's like I always, yeah. I always thought to myself when I were at one point, I always thought, because I'm interested in trees and things, I thought, oh, the black poplar. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? You know, that's a, that's a bit weird. It does, and yeah. then uh, we found a gigantic moth on our shed where we used to live, right? Yeah. I thought, well, what, what, what's this here? And it looked, and it was a black poplar moth. So it's a very rare moth. Wow. And it only lives on the black poplar. That's what it does. It's, it's caterpillars, as a, as a little caterpillar, it lives and eats on the leaves and things. And it uses the, the uh, it, it's camouflage per perfectly with the black poplar bark. And I thought, oh, wow, then I realised I had yeah. a massive black poplar was growing in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You just walk around for moth straight into the tree. Yeah. Bam! And I didn't realise <laughs> it's oh, super shit, rare that? and it hadn't been registered. Nobody knew it was there. It's, it's still an unregistered God. tree. And what they're saying afterwards, after we moved and everything, I realised that people want, they want it to be like a national register of a black poplar because it was so, so rare. And I was thinking of cutting yeah. it down. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'd, God, I'd be, yeah, I'd, be, I'd have been off to jail. Yeah. That'd have been it for me. If they'd found out, I'd have been, you know, I'd be in bloody choky. <laughs> to yeah, I'd been in choky for chopping down a tree, which is, you know. <laughs> Close call. Man, yeah, just these tiny little things, these little little areas, these little urban areas that you could sort of sneak away into and just enjoy. And because a lot of people, especially yeah. places like London and that, people don't have as much green space as we do. I mean, we're quite lucky. We can walk out of our houses yeah, exactly. and, you know, you can, you know, you're suddenly there in the wilderness and you're sort of, it's, it's nice, but... Yeah. If you're in the cities, you might you might only have a window box, might you? You know what I mean? And yeah, it must be awful. I couldn't handle it in no, a city. I couldn't. City. No, well, I just no, drive me potty. Well, the big that. issue they have as well in um, in like London is they've got um, obviously they've got sort of like the, the public parks and things, but a lot of these parks are now being managed by like private companies. They're in the, in the handle. They've been handled by, and so they're, they're just locking them. They're saying, "Oh no, you can't come here. It's these private residents and stuff." And it's like uh, we were once on like a little thing in London, and uh, we wanted to go in this park, and, and there was the bouncers in this park, <laughs> and so they were allowing some people in and others not, and sort of saying like, no, this is a, it's a private concern. You can't, you can't come in here. They can, you can't. And it's like, what? Is it really bizarre? But that is crazy. Yeah. So, wow, actually hiring people again. That's yeah, very, mental. very odd. But it's like, but that's what the nice thing is about here. You see, it's like we nothing like that can mess with us at Cracker Cove. You know what I mean? Like we 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 cock a yeah. cock a snook at any who just turns around and says we can't go where we want to go can we you know it's hardcore for the people hardcore forever I love it (laughs) (laughs) right then our kid it's that time mate it's time to go Oh, I've enjoyed it, mate. I've enjoyed it. Let's go get yeah, tucked up. You know, in big double bed together. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like Ernie and Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Eric and Ernie, that's the one. Nah, <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you and your details. <laughs> oh, so it's a big bye-bye from Matt. And it's a big bye-bye from Benny. See you later, guys. Yeah. Take care. There are three ways you may come. Either by email at crackandcoldpodcast at gmail.com On Twitter 
at Kraken Cove. Or Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!